0: Welcome to Summit Church. We are so glad you are here. This was my first uh, baptism service since I've been here the last six months, and it is one of my favorite things to do. It is so awesome to see people committing their life to new life, and that's what baptism represents. It represents uh, going into the grave. Our old life is gone, and we come out with new life in Christ. Yes, that's right. That's awesome. So, it is fun. I, uh, I brought a change, uh, a shirt to change into afterwards because I assumed I'm gonna get splashed, right? I forgot to uh, account for gravity. So I, I, I didn't wet my pants. That's what I'm trying to say, all right? So, <laughs> Well, we're so glad you guys are here today. I'm Dan Howe, one of the pastors around here. And uh, next week, Pastor Chris is going to be back finishing up the series Return of the Living Dead and uh, bringing those things to life that we need to bring to life in our lives and putting things to death that maybe we need to put to death in our lives. And then we're excited. Next month, we're doing a series called In the Gray. And you guys are not going to want to miss this because life, a lot of our life is not as black and white as it seems. How do we determine what's true and what isn't true? So, Make sure you're coming for the next several weeks. You're going to love it. Uh, Well, I'm this week talking about... Breathing life into relationships, we all have relationships that, I mean, we're relational beings. God created us for relationships. In fact, you ever thought about the fact that uh, infants, babies, human babies are the only in the animal kingdom, uh, it's the only baby that actually needs to be held for months and months and months on end. Every other kind of animal has a baby that comes out that is pretty self-sustaining quickly. Uh, but babies are designed so that they can build relationships with their mom and with their dad. And, and we start off young in life building relationships, like kind of with the neighborhood kids, right? We, we go down the street, we have fun, we play games. When I was young, one of the games we loved to play was hide and seek. Anybody remember hide and seek? You didn't need a game console for that. I don't know if you knew that. It was a super cheap game. And you, all you needed is some people would hide and one person to be it that would be the seeker. And you needed a safe place where uh, you could go if you were hiding to, to step on and you were safe. And of course, there was always an argument about whether or not they touched you before you hit the safe place. But, but you would all go out and you would hide. And, uh, but then every once in a while, you'd have somebody, let's call him Johnny. And Johnny would uh, say to everybody else but you that, hey, let's play a trick on this person and we're going to all go to my house and go swimming while they're hiding. And then you would go hide in the perfect place. You'd find a sticker bush that no one would ever look through because it's a sticker bush. And you would hide there 15, 20 minutes and pretty soon you wouldn't hear anything. And you'd get up and you'd walk out and you'd look around and everybody's gone. And you would go crying home to your mommy and you would need therapy later in life because of what Johnny did to you. What's the point? Johnny had no right to do that to me, oh no. Uh, the reality is we build relationships. We, we foster them by spending time together, by doing things together, um, b- by loving each other, but also sometimes we take away from relationships because of what we sowed into them. And so what we wanna talk about today is how do we have relationships in our lives, even difficult ones that we can breathe life into. Now, the reality is we have different circles. I like to look at relationships this way because it's easier for my mind to process. But we have different circles of relationships, and it might be based on intimacy. So uh, obviously, if you have someone way over here on the outermost circle, that would be somebody who's, let's say, an acquaintance. You don't know them very well, but you see them from time to time. They seem nice. Then inside that circle, you'll have friends, These are people you spend a little time with, and some of those friendships you've really cultivated, and they're your best friend. And then, of course, inside of that, you have children, people that God has given you in your life, and and you should hopefully have a good relationship with them. It doesn't always work, but you want good relationships, and of course, you have your spouse who's hopefully right next to you, and then God is the most intimate relationship of all. He is with you. He lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit. And so we have these different circles of relationships. And as we pour into these relationships, we allow them to either move closer in this circle or farther away. Quite honestly, there are some relationships that we need to have a little farther away based on the nature of that relationship trust that's been broken, things that we can't depend on. So sometimes relationships change, but it doesn't change the fact that we need to be breathing life into those relationships. And we're gonna talk about three ways we can do that today. The first way we wanna talk about breathing life into relationships, I breathe life into my relationships when I practice grace, practice grace. Uh, You ever heard of a a practice, a private practice is like usually a medical office? Do you know why they call it that? Because they're practicing on you, right? Well, that's not really what it is, but they do get better at their craft. They go to to school to learn how to uh, the internal medicine or whatever their specialty is. And then when you come into their office, they hopefully can figure out what's wrong with you. And so over time, a doctor will get better over uh, his practice by learning new things about new, th- new uh, people he's met with new conditions. And so we can practice grace like that. There's kind of an ex- expectation that we should know something about grace, but we have to practice it because it doesn't come natural to us. Uh, so I want to read something out of Colossians 3.13. Paul wrote this to a group of believers in a city called Colossae, and he says this, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I think you could rewrite this a little bit. Instead of saying, make allowance for others' faults, you could say, hey, let's lower our expectations a little bit, right? (laughs) Let's lower them to the point where it's appropriate. I don't know why, but we seem to think People will be perfect next time, right? Uh, We have somebody in our life, and they're constantly tardy. And we say to ourselves, if they're late one more time, that's it. I'm done with them. And then they're late one more time. They haven't done anything to learn how to be on time. They haven't gone to tardy anonymous. They have just continued to be late. And you feel like they don't respect my time. I'm done. But why in the world would they be on time tomorrow when they're never on time? right? Or uh, when people are angry, they lose their temper. And you think, if they lose their temper one more time, and then they do it, but they haven't gone to anger management. Or when they're forgetful, I'm forgetful. Uh, I, I remember we had a period of time where we had my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, and nephew living at our house. And they, he was age two to age four about this time. And one time, you know how kids can mimic uh, parents or mimic uh, figures, older figures? He said this one time, I'm Uncle Dan. I forgot something (laughs) without any, it was hilarious. And to this day, that saying lives in our family. Why would I not forget something tomorrow when that's what I do? I'm good at it. We need to make allowances for our faults because we're all flawed. We are flawed, and I think we can't give grace to people if we have an expectation that they're going to be perfect. We have to change our mindset if we want to be speaking life into our relationships. This is what Paul says in the next chapter. He says, be wise in the way you act toward others. I think thinking ahead of time what we want to say is just smart, especially if there's potential difficult circumstances coming. Make the most of every opportunity. I don't know if you realize this, but when someone does something to us that might be a little hurtful, there's an opportunity there. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So we have to not only practice grace by having a different mindset, but we need to understand that there's an expectation that what we say to people is gonna bring life to them and not tear them down. We live in an echo chamber world, right? We don't just talk anymore. I don't know if you've noticed that in our social media culture, on YouTube. We have people, I I hate the sayings, so-and-so completely destroys so-and-so, you know? It's like, why do we have to destroy each other? There is just something refreshing, but it shouldn't be refreshing. It should be normal when two people with opposing ideas just sit down and have a conversation. You might find that you actually like the person that has a completely different opinion than you do or a completely different political candidate than you do. You might actually like them, but it only happens through having conversations with people. If we want to speak grace into people's life, we have to get past the point where we're just going to sit in our own echo chambers and begin to build relationships where we give and take and hear other people's story. So let me give you a couple practical things you can do. Now, so this could be, uh, let's say, Facebook, Instagram. It uh, could, could be an email you get. You ever get one of those e- angry emails from somebody? Okay, okay never. Good. Good. <laughs> So I I sense a little sarcasm there. Okay, you get the angry email, and you are ready to fire off your answer. Uh, I used to teach divorce care, and this was a very common thing that would happen with people going through divorce. Somebody would write an email, and the other person would let them have it back. So here's a great practice. If someone sends you an angry email or an angry text, write the angry email that you in your heart want to send them back. Do not address it to them so that you accidentally hit send, put it in your drafts folder, and then read it 24 hours later. I think you will find that you do not want to send it anymore. So, let's begin to practice grace. If I want to move beyond just interacting with people and bringing grace to them, I secondly need to do this, to breathe life into relationships, I need to initiate reconciliation. I need to initiate reconciliation. That's kind of a lost art too, is is thinking about somebody else, their perspective, and realizing I might need to go talk to them because eh, we had a little bit of a difficult conversation. Every relationship faces struggles at some point or another, every one of them. And so it's good to realize that if I've got something going on, I can actually initiate a solution to that. You know, the Bible says this. It says, uh, don't let the sun go down on your anger, right? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I always used to think, well, what happens if the sun's already down? I guess you have 24 hours to be angry, right? (laughs) But don't get angry an hour before sunset or you're not going to be able to... The point is, don't let that anger fester. Don't let that anger fester. Here's what Jesus says. In Matthew 5, 23 and 24. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, notice that. You remember that somebody else is mad at you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. There's something as important as it is, as us going to worship, as us going to to serve God and to praise God. There's something more important than that. And that is reconciling relationships that are having problems. Jesus is saying, literally, maybe before you go to church, you ought to have a phone call with somebody. Leave your sacrifice. Don't make a sacrifice if you're not willing to sacrifice what it takes to repair a relationship. We have got to be a little bit bold in this reconciliation is something that we need to learn how to do better. Uh, It says this in Romans 12, 17 to 20, never pay back evil with more evil. And I know some of you are saying right now, I don't do that, right? Because I always make sure the evil is fair, it's balanced. So the evil I give back, no more than what I got, right? Or I don't I don't get mad back at somebody, I give them the silent treatment, or what I like to call the gift of silence, yes? Uh, The silent treatment is really just a way of enacting revenge with somebody. It's just a passive-aggressive way of doing it. Do things in such a way that, listen to this, everyone can see you're honorable. Imagine the conversation that you want to have with somebody. Let's pretend you are now having that, and you have an audience, what is the audience going to say about your interaction with him? Are they going to say it's honorable? Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Yes, there are people that we cannot live at peace with. But we can still breathe life. We don't have to meet them where they are. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. So, For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In other words, whatever your enemy is doing, repay them with kindness. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. There's your revenge verse. You want to get mad at somebody? Bless them. There, take that, right? Take that blessing. But don't hope that they get heaping coals. We have a garden in our backyard that we just planted, and we are watering the plants, right? Um, now, I am not guaranteed that anything that we just spent money on and planted is going to grow. But I water them anyway, because you know what? If I don't water them, 100% not going to grow, they're going to die. So we're not guaranteed what's going to happen with the grace that we're pouring into relationships. But we, we know for a fact that if we don't, those relationships will not flourish, 100%. So, this is where it gets hard, and I want this to be practical for us. What do you do when you have a very difficult situation with somebody? It could be a spouse, it could be a friend. What happens is... To kind of break down a conflict. What happens is someone does something, right? They say something hurtful, they do something, or they don't do something they should have done. And then all of a sudden we get mad, we get frustrated, and then we say something or we do something in response. Isn't that how it is? Issue, reaction, frustration, anger, and then we say something back. How many people here have ever, in their minds, been so frustrated, they said the thing that needed to be said to this person, put them in their place, and you're shocked and surprised that this person doesn't just grovel and say, oh my gosh, I repent in dust and ashes, I'm so sorry I did that to you. No, for some crazy reason, they come back at you and they say, I don't agree with you at all. In fact, you're this, and then they begin to launch into you. I wish it went the way it went in my mind, everybody. And I know you do too. I so wish it did. But the reality is we're not understanding what's going on when we're in the middle of conflict. Last week, Pastor Chris said that 85% of the decisions we make are not rational, but they're emotional. When you are flooded with emotions, when you're feeling angry, it's probably closer to 99.999%. You are not thinking rationally. It is the worst time to say something to somebody. But in this three-step process, there's something else going on behind the scenes that no one ever realizes. It happens so fast that we, we let it go. We never think about it. Something happens, and then we tell ourselves a story. We, we craft in our minds something that makes sense to us. It's based on our past. It's based on the circumstances. It's based on our past relationship with this person. And so we have a story because our minds don't like things that don't make sense. We don't like cognitive dissonance. And so we get this event that happens and then we create a story. That's what we react to. We react to the story that we're telling ourselves. So now we're frustrated. And then when we act on somebody, we're acting on a story. I'll tell you something that happened to Teresa and I uh, a number of years ago. Uh, I was in the ministry and uh, I have a lot of Facebook friends because a lot of people, you know, in ministry want to be your Facebook friends. So uh, I'm on Facebook after work is over. We're sitting on the couch at night, might be seven o'clock. And I am going through um, your Facebook feeds, liking your posts because I'm a good pastor. And as I'm going through the posts and liking them, Teresa's uh, looking over at me, Thinking, gosh, it'd be nice to have a little time with you. And she says, Would you put that away? And I look at my phone, and immediately I begin to think of all the times she's been on the phone, doing her thing, doing her likes. And I go, Well, you do the same thing. That's a very wise thing to say as a husband to a wife. And then she says to me, Well, I think you do it more than you realize. And I said to her, I think you have a double standard. And then I put the phone away, because I'm a good husband. And then, it was really cold and chilly that night. (laughs) And we didn't talk about it again for months until we were at a marriage retreat. And at that marriage retreat, the person in front said, hey, I'd like to do a little exercise with you. I want you to think about something that didn't break your marriage up, not something super high level, but something kind of superficial that you argued about. And I want you to write down all the emotions you felt. And then, when you're done with that, I also want you to write some of the beliefs that you had, the story that you told yourself. And then I want you guys to discuss it with each other. And so, we went to our room and we did it. And she wrote things down like, I felt hurt, I felt ignored, I felt unimportant. And I wrote things like, I felt judged, I felt deficient as a husband. And then when we peeled back the layers even more, Teresa lost her dad at age two. He passed away. And then she had a lot of other father figures come and go in her life. She had a very difficult time of people leaving her and abandoning her. And in my life, I never really felt like I measured up. And so in my mind, here I am again, not measuring up. These are the stories we were telling ourselves. And when we heard each other's story, when I heard that she had been abandoned over and over again, and when I was doing this, it was breaking her heart, and she was feeling those same emotions, I started crying. I couldn't believe I hurt her in that way, and I never wanted to hurt her in that way. And she felt so bad that I just felt so ineffective and so deficient as a husband. You see, the reality was we were talking about, we thought, an issue based on emotions and trying to get some sort of a reaction from the other person that we wanted, but we weren't talking about our stories. If we want to reconcile with people, we've got to get to the point where we begin to listen. As it says in James, be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to get angry. We've got to get to the point where we start listening to someone's stories. Don't take it personal. Just listen and then uh, in exchange share our stories with them so they understand who we are. We can breathe life into people simply by connecting with them on that level. Do you know since that day it has dynamically changed our relationship? We kind of go there faster now where we realize I wonder how this is impacting her or how it's impacting me. Finally, if I want to breathe life into relationships, I have to do this. I have to receive the life Jesus wants to breathe into me. It's easy to pour into others if we have a reservoir. And a lot of us, we we kind of are reservoirs, right? We have a limit to how much we can pour out. We've all been there, had a hard day at work, hard week, difficult things happening, And someone says something and we snap. That's because our reservoirs are empty. But there is a limitless supply we can tap into. But we have to have the right mindset. Let's see what it says about Jesus. Hebrews 2.16-18 says, We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He didn't come here for his own thing, for angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. That's us. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. In the Old Testament, there was priests. They represent God to the people. And there was, excuse me, there was prophets represented God to people, and there was priests that represented people to God. And that's what he was. He became one of us. So he could represent us to God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we are being tested. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. Jesus knows what dysfunction is. He knows when someone slanders you. He knows how that feels. He knows what it's like to be abandoned by your closest friends. He knows every hurt that we might experience. And he stood in our place and gave himself up and died so that we could have new life. We have a reservoir. And sometimes all it takes is a mindset change for us to realize, you did that for me. I want to do this for you. I was at a point in my life where I had lost some of the most significant relationships in my life. I had been hurt, I had been damaged by other people, and then I went about doing things that damaged myself. I went about violating my own standards. And I remember coming into a point in my life and I felt so futile and so hopeless. I had just tried and I had tried and I had tried and I had failed and I felt done. And I remember going to my bed on my knees, just ready to say, God, I'm so tired of this. I'm so exhausted. And in that moment, I felt in a new way that I'd ever felt as a Christian, I felt God's acceptance of me. I knew I was broken. I knew I'd been hurt, but I also knew I'd hurt, and I felt God's love for me. I felt God's grace pouring over me. It was so undoing. I just started weeping on the floor and just realizing how I had strived my whole life. I had been this reservoir and had tried to give and tried to give and tried to give, and I had failed, and in this moment, when I felt like I wasn't deserving of anything at all, God was pouring into me and pouring into me and pouring into me. It is something that I look back today. It's a watershed moment in my life that I, that I look back on and I say, I now could be a different person than I've been before. I'm much less phony than I used to be. I'm much less worried about being perfect than I used to be. I'm much more easy to give grace to other people than I used to be. I'm not there, I'm still practicing. But the reality is I needed that reservoir that God has for me. And some of us in this room need a mindset shift and realize Jesus knows what you're going through. And it's okay, and he has grace for you. But you need something more inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, to 24 says this, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions, the frustrations, and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. You see... There's two things going on inside of us. There's death and there's life. The Holy Spirit wants life flowing through us. Love. When love's coming out, other people feel valued. When joy is coming out, other people feel encouraged. When kindness is coming out, people feel cared for. When patience is coming out, people feel committed to The Holy Spirit wants to speak through you. The Holy Spirit wants to to touch other people's lives and pour life into them. But we have to have it first. You know, I mentioned we're planting things in our backyard. We got some tomatoes back there. So we're watering the tomatoes. Love tomatoes. Love them. I'm expecting a bumper crop. You know what else I love? Bananas. I have a banana every day. I love bananas. You guys would think I was the craziest person in the world if I were to say to you, my tomato tree has no bananas on it. I am so frustrated, right? Some of us, the reason we're struggling in relationships, the reason we have nothing to give, is because we got nothing going in. The fruit that's coming out is the fruit that's inside, and God wants to replenish you. He wants to speak love and life over you, and you have to accept it, and you have to embrace it. And just like those people did this morning in the baptism, they are committing themselves to new life. You have to be committed to Him, and if you're committed to Him, He will pour His life through you. He will work on that marriage. He'll work on that damaged relationship. And he'll allow you, he'll work through you as you breathe life into other people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that you did not leave me in my misery, did not leave me when my reservoir was empty, but you poured into me. And I know there are some people here that came this morning and As I'm talking, they're thinking about that relationship, that difficult relationship. And maybe what they've had is conversations, arguments, and they've never listened. And it's time to stop and share what's going on, the story that's going on in their heart, and hear the story from the other person and begin to understand and value and work towards a deeper relationship a more life-giving relationship with the other person. Lord, I know there's some people in here that they already know that the relationship they've poured into is not going to yield anything. However, we know that you can do all things. And so I just pray that you would replenish them and fill them up so that that maybe when someone says something angry to them, they can look at them with with pity and look at them with, with compassion and say, I'm so sorry you feel that way, but I love you. And Lord, I pray you would use us as a church to just be a light to the world by being the kinds of people that have conversations, the kinds of people that that exhibit grace in our relationships so that when other people look at us, they say, that's an honorable person. And there may be somebody here this morning that has never taken that step of faith. They've been on the edge, but they know that in order to have the kinds of relationships you want, they need help from you right now. And so if you've never given your life to Christ this morning, you're sitting in your seat and you're thinking, I need what Jesus has to offer me. You can do it right now by simply saying, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I want to follow you. I want you to pour into me so that I can be healed and have the kind of relationships you want in my life. If you prayed that prayer, uh, we we're today you're, you're in heaven. <laughs> you're, today you're in the kingdom of God. You're not in heaven yet, but today you're in the kingdom of God. And this is the first day of a new life for you. So God, as we go out of these doors this morning, I just pray you would help us Bring to mind those relationships we need. Bring to mind if we need to, to receive more from you that we have not been allowing you to, to pour into us, to breathe life into us. And just help us to be the kind of lights that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Yeah, show your appreciation for Pastor Dan. You know... um, I think if there's one area that the enemy wants to attack our lives, you know, we we sort of think that when the enemy comes against us, it's going to look like uh, one of the horror movies and there's, you know, heads spinning and crosses floating in the air and people vomiting green stuff and, and dead people crawling along. That's not... The enemy just needs to attack where you find value, and we find our value in our relationships. And if he can make you hostile and make people hostile towards you, he's cutting off all of the ways that we get life. And we know God through the way we know each other. He compares our relationship to him as a father to a child or as him being husband to a bride. So he connects to us in a way we understand connection. So if the enemy can damage all of those kinds of relationships then he's damaged our ability to have a life-giving relationship with God. Jesus came upon a scene where they were getting ready to stone a woman to death for committing adultery. And I love that Jesus' resurrection power wasn't just when people had died and already been buried or they had died and they were getting ready to be buried and he spoke life into them, but He walks up on a scene in which somebody is about to die for their sin. And he speaks life over her by saying, he in this circle of men getting ready to throw stones at this woman for her sin of adultery, you who are without guilt of sin, and most believe he meant those who are not guilty of a similar sin or the same sin, if not physically, then in your head. You go ahead and you throw the first stone. They all walked away, and Jesus looked at her and said, Where are your accusers? Where are those who condemn you? And she said, They can't be found. And he said, I am neither going to condemn you. I love that with our words, we have the ability to speak life to somebody when the enemy's trying to take life from them, and he'll use people to do it. Let's not be the tool he uses. take life from people. Let's not be on social media. Let's not be in conversations because there's a lot of hot topics going around. And and, and like Pastor Dan said, we, we watch these little video shorts and these people say these really inflammatory things and it stirs something in us and we go, yeah. And we try and memorize that so we can say that to somebody. That is not the vibe of Jesus at all. He was always giving life where someone else was trying to take it. I love that message today. Amen.